Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello again. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. We are actually shooting right now for season 10. So while we recorded this in the studio before we left, we are currently shooting something we've been excited about for, I think, about a year, and that's Bronco versus Wrangler. What do we call this one? Horse versus cowboy? Or what Uh, is this one going to (laughs) be? I'm thinking of titles in advance here. The Wrangler rides the Bronco. That's pretty much (laughs) where that goes. You're absolutely right. It's it's just just a rough day at the ranch is really what it is. It's just ranch day. That's what we're shooting. Yeah. Agreed. Well, also, episode 650 is coming. This is 648. So a couple of episodes from now, we are taking all your non-car questions. Mm -hmm. So watch for that. We'll be posting on social media. So that is a week from this episode. And also, my 928 piece, the first piece mm-hmm. of our cars of the past yep. is what we're calling them. So they're the origin cars, the cars that got us really yeah, into it. Yeah. You know, the car, the first sports cars that we could afford. Todd bought a, a 1991 Nissan 300ZX twin turbo. I did. I've got a 1983 Porsche 928S and produced a video that was actually my drive from a year ago when mm-hmm. I bought it. It's crazy. Yeah. Drove the car home. So there's a little bit of footage from now, footage from then. There's all also works, photos that are like a blast from the fast, <laughs> back to the future moment there. If you have haven't seen Paul's 928 introduction video, you need to see it, but it is the first of many, many things. Next week will be my 300ZX, and then we have some huge stuff coming with those cars. I'm very excited, but this kicks it off for real, and it's a very cool piece, man. I hope everybody's seen it. Thank you. Thank you. Also, if you have not seen the video on the 2023 Corvette Z06, it Mm. has been announced. We are recording this slightly in advance, as you know, but if you've not gotten around to looking at this car, letting your eyes feast on photos, but also Uh talking about specs, and Todd and I are not big on specs because mm-hmm. it doesn't tell you what it's like to drive the car. True. You might True. like a lower power car mm-hmm. and enjoy the driving dynamics of it. But since nobody's driven it at this point, except for the engineers and a, a few people have, yes. yeah. there are some specs that make it astounding. Mm-hmm. Start with the engine, five and a half liter LT6 engine with a flat plane crank. Now, keep in mind, that is a smaller engine than the one that's in there currently, which is like a 6.2 liter standard V8. So this is a smaller engine, but it's derived from their race engine. Yes, it's because of the World Endurance Championship and GT Le Mans class that the C8R competes in and the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. So that is really what drives that. But it is naturally aspirated. Mm Mm-hmm. Unlike the last Z06, this Mm -hmm. is not supercharged. This is naturally aspirated, and Chevy is claiming the highest output of a naturally aspirated engine. You get 670 horsepower at 8,400 RPM, and you can go to 8,600 and peak torque is at 6,300 RPM, 480 it, foot-pounds of torque. Is it how much horsepower? Is that? It was 607? 670. Out of a naturally aspirated nuts. engine. V8. That is nuts. And Taj Jukter has said, he's the he's Corvette the, guru the guy. Corvette guy, yes, he is, yes. He says this is all due to extremely precise engineering. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Porsche enthusiasts <laughs> everywhere are nodding in agreement, yes. But they also completely re-engineered the exhaust system because everybody acknowledges we don't like the piped-in sound. Yeah. And you couldn't hear it, so they engineered a reverse megaphone shape into the exhaust system to kind of point the exhaust sound back towards Hello. the passengers. Yeah. And I just wonder, does this mean all future Z06 owners will be blipping their throttles like every Lambo owner to say, look at me, look at me, yow, yow, yow? 
as who they knows? drive by. Who knows? Let's hope not. But uh, <sighs> by the way, random public service announcement. If you're at a car show and you just started your car and you decide the first thing you should do if you start your car is to rev the engine, rev the engine, that's a really good way to kill engines. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I, that, that, that's just my public service announcement. So, yeah. Well, if you haven't heard the sound yet, it's channeling that old F1 sound mm-hmm. in a Corvette. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. And we're also told that every panel is changed except for the doors, the roof, and the hatch, which means wider fenders and quarter panels. It's got a 3.6-inch wider stance than a normal Stingray. Which is already quite wide. Yeah, and it uses 20-inch wheels in the front, 21s in the rear, and the rear section is a 345-width tire. That's a, this is a monster of a car. Holy it's a cow. monster of a car. I mean, yeah. they're they're everything right. So this mm-hmm. would tell you, including optional carbon fiber wheels. So this recipe would mm-hmm. tell you that this thing is going to be absolutely incredible. Pricing has not been announced. Of course, we look forward to driving it, but it'll be 120 plus MSRP. But okay. But then it will compete okay. with stuff twice as much. Yes. And here's the other part that's happened. There has been discussion that the original version, that that I hate to say it this way because it's such a great car, but the quote unquote base version is not a great great track car. But let's be honest, it isn't intended to be a great track car. This mm-hmm. is the one intended to be the great track car. <laughs> yeah. And I hope it is as fantastic to drive as it appears to be, because it appears like it'll be awesome. This will be the fascinating one to see in, in track tests. And here's the other thing that happens a lot, is a lot of times the um, the crazy mid-engine exotics mm-hmm. aren't that great as track cars. Yeah, right. Ferraris and Lamborghinis yes. and these kind of things that we think of as great track cars with perfect rotation often have, I know, spoiler alert, understeer and don't have a whole lot of durability for track. We've seen it happen more than once. So, um, yeah, because we, we've tracked cars like this. And one of the things that was a big surprise to me, I remember when we tracked, I forget, was it uh, 458 or 488 at uh, Speed Vegas? Oh, I think it was Surpri- 488. Surprising yeah. amount of understeer in that car. Yeah. And that was the factory setup. It was very interesting to see the car that, you know, because you just expect that's going to rotate on a top, but it just, I mean, it was understeer to pre- preserve occupants, which is the same thing that the. Preserve uh, the Ferrari. Exactly. Uh, same thing that was uh, leveled at the C8 originally. And uh, I don't know, this Z06 is pretty interesting because they've definitely gone all in. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about this car, to be honest. Yeah. 2023 is the model year. They're starting to, I guess, build them and deliver them a year from now. That's what they're claiming. We'll, we'll see. see. But, yeah. you know, theoretically speaking, what if I sold the Cayman and bought one of these things? Hey, just what if? I, I Just what ifing, a, just floating a scenario, just float a balloon. You would have to wake me up because I would be <laughs> passed out on the floor that you, that you sold a Porsche and bought a Corvette. Having oh, said that, know. I think it'd be a fantastic use of money. I really do. I think, I think if you sold a Cayman and got a Corvette, I would, I would be Sheesh. astounded. That Z06 sounds amazing. I they haven't even announced the Zora version or the ZR1. What is that going to be? They'll be, yeah. They'll Festooned be a, with electric motors to well, make it but, even quicker. But it will theoretically be, if they follow the thinking prior, watch our American original film, mm-hmm. it will theoretically be enough power to stop the world, but probably <laughs> Coming or going. But starting pro- or exactly. stopping. Which direction you want to turn the world? Because I can do it from my driveway. It'll be that. <laughs> Remember the first Superman of Christopher Reeve where he stops the rotation of the earth and puts things back <laughs> in time? Right. This is what the ZR1 will do. But, <laughs> it, but it'll have crazy amounts of power, but it theoretically won't be as good a track car or as good to drive as the right. Z06. That's typically what the ZR1's been about. It's been yeah. a bragging rights car. It's I bought the granddaddy, <laughs> yeah. but it's almost always a handful. Mm-hmm. The Z06 stands with, with the engine and everything they're sta- saying and also the history. It stands to be the car that is like the definitive driver car. The GT4 version of the Cayman is the car to put right. this with. You know? Right. I love it. It is car wash season. 
Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot. And always use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer or the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You can create a high foam blizzard party right in your driveway with little to no work and avoid the wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. And don't forget, Griot's also has full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and Coat, and a 3-in-1 Wax. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. We have a great couple of debates for you. First, Aaron writes to us. He is in Sydney, Australia. And Greg B. writing to us, and his wife's car was stolen. More importantly, his wife's flex was stolen. Yes. Woohoo! I'm sorry about your flex was stolen. Yay, Mm -hmm. it was stolen. Just kidding. Sort of. Greg, we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, we're jumping in with Aaron's debate. Aaron writes to us. And writes and writes and writes. And writes and writes and writes. Thank you, Aaron. It's it's really cool. It's it's, really cool. It's great. He's an 18-year-old, first-year pharmacy student, born and raised in the Middle East, and he spent the last 13 years in Qatar. He's now in Sydney, Australia, and he says he's listening to episode 637 as he writes to us, having started at episode one back in August 2019. He found the podcast on Spotify and downloaded the first 10 episodes to entertain him on a 23-hour trip from Doha to Sydney, including a nine-hour layover in Hong Kong. That's okay. Thank you for being with us. We're glad to to (laughs) occupy your time on a long, long travel. Yeah. Well, he has been infected with the disease for as long as he can remember. The earliest car-related memory, he says, when his dad asked him what the numbers on the side of Toyota 4x4s and pickups meant. He has memorized stats. He says his car obsession has led him to learn every single mechanical aspect to frightening levels of detail. Mm-hmm. So he's known in his family as the car encyclopedia, and he can talk for hours. A- Aaron you found become, your people, Aaron. Yeah, well, yes, absolutely. Aaron has become that kid that I would have been if the internet had been available to me. <laughs> totally. And, and I was this kid at 15, and I will admit that some of the minutia I have just allowed to leave my brain but Aaron is fully in the minutia and so yes you are absolutely with your people for sure well he leads with his preferences and aspirations he loves all types of cars from every part of the world but he admits he's a bit of a Toyota snob okay he says luckily this is easy Toyotas are available all over the world he says they can't be topped when it comes to dependability and reliability he also has a soft spot for American cars particularly Mm. Short cab RCSB trucks, he says, Chargers, Challengers, and Mustangs, but Camaros don't really do it for him. Had he still been in Qatar, he would have very likely been in an American car, but in Australia, he says, not a single car mentioned was ever offered there except for the Mustang. Mm. But he says the European cars hold a second place spot in his heart after 90s JDM cars. He has a passion for BMWs. Note that sentence, admittedly older ones. Mm-hmm. He loves Porsches and he loves low tie. Did we decide on low tie? I think it's low tie, but yeah. Lotuses doesn't work. That doesn't work either. There's yeah. a group of Lotus cars. That can work too, but low tie, I think, is the way to go, yeah. Well, at this point in his driving career, Aaron is dealing with the New South Wales graduated license system. He says, Isn't quickly this interesting? It is. I'm glad you broke it down. I have no idea. And Aaron sends us a ton of information about what it's like to be a driver there in in Australia and and the restrictions. Again, he's 18. He's just started driving pretty much. And so he's working his way through these restrictions. It's fascinating. Step one, he says, is the learner's license. 
It's a permit where driving is only allowed with a fully licensed driver supervising from the passenger seat, age limit 16. That's very much like it is in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And you you want a licensed driver with you, and you can do it when you're 15 and a half, I think, in, in most states. Step two is the red provisional P license. He says the first license where driving alone is permitted. He says P licensed drivers are limited in the selection of cars. They're allowed to drive anything mm-hmm. with more than 130 kilowatts per ton or 175 horsepower per ton is prohibited. Interesting. That includes all Mustangs, even the EcoBoost. The green P license for step three is achieved after 12 months of after achieving your red license. The same power restriction applies, but manual transmission is allowed for those who didn't do that in their first red P license. And then finally, step four is the unrestricted license achieved 24 months after getting your green P license. And that's what it is. It's unrestricted at that point. You're fully licensed. What he doesn't say is what if something happens during certain levels of licensing? I bet you get kicked back for a while. He hasn't gone into that, but I, I'm sure. But the interesting thing is he also sent us the website. There are websites there that actually break down. You can look up a car for vehicle restrictions and you can look it up and see if it even qualifies for those first provisional licenses. And there are some cars you can look. There are some models of some cars, like car over here in automatic is okay, but in manual is not. And there's there's weird restrictions, and you can just look it up, and thank God they provide it. But they can, you can look it up, and you can see, oh, that car isn't even allowed at my license level. So here he is at 18, working his way through that license, which means there are definitely cars that are not allowed at all. Well, it's interesting because you and I have touched on graduated licensing mm-hmm. and the ideas around it before. And here that is the case where Aaron is. But we have marveled that the C7 ZR1 Corvette, mm-hmm. you can just go buy. If you have the money to <laughs> you could go a, buy and run into something. You're a brand new licensed yes. driver. It doesn't matter. You can buy this car, the car that wants to kill you. You can go drive it and have that car if you've got the money to buy it, of course. Or anybody in any age range, you, you can just go get it. And we've marveled it and just thought out loud, huh, so new drivers can just go buy this car, huh? I mean, People, if you could afford it, but still. Or, or that drivers thought. that have been around forever but have never, ever bought a sports car yeah. can walk in and buy a ZR1 and wrap it around a pole <laughs> just down the block from the dealership. I mean, There's websites yeah. dedicated to Yes, the, to wrecked this. exotics. We'll just go search that out. There it is. There, <laughs> but look, chargers, challenges, yeah. all this high-power stuff. Oh, my gosh. But he says he's had great driving experience in Qatar. It was mostly borrowing his parents' RAV4, and he did get the daily triples. He doesn't okay. know how he actually managed that, but That's I'm glad weird. you did. Yeah, it's strange. So he started this legitimate driving career in Australia in July 2020 in what he considers to be the most boring car he's ever been in, 2006 <laughs> okay. Silver Automatic Corolla. He, sure. s- he says it was so dreadful, he sold it within a month of buying it. And this is when he had his permit, not full license. And then he got his automatic license, went on to buy a silver 2001 automatic Mm -hmm. Lexus IS 200. And he says, we in the States know this car is the IS 300, but as the name suggests, the 200 has a two liter engine. He's, he gives us a lot of background information on this particular. Mm -hmm. We could almost go build one. We we really could. could. Yeah. Well done, Aaron. Phenomenal. Look, Aaron, if I had been as, Tuned in, I guess, to the car market. I was into the stats, but you seem very much more tuned in as far as what you want out of your future driving. Mm. I wasn't that way at Mm. age 16 or 17 or 18. I just knew stats. I didn't know how that related to me as a driver. So you're already way ahead. So congrats congrats on that. I, I appreciate the stats. But he says he thinks this car is like a cul-de-sac, like your Elise, Todd. 
I read that and I went, okay, see if you can land this plane. Keep going. Well, he says he thinks, well, because of that, it's a sports sedan smaller in size than almost anything on sale today. Mm -hmm. It's got a characterful inline six engine from Toyota's golden era with a 50-50 weight distribution, double wishbone suspension front and rear. And he says many other factors that help this car achieve a sweet spot between sporty and practical, new and old, luxurious and not too tech dependent, mm-hmm. and a feeling of quality that is lost on most modern cars, Volkswagen Taos. <laughs> this Zing! <car laughs> okay, yeah. He says this car is a known quantity to him and will not be sold under any circumstances. It's very interesting that that's where you are with that car. Okay, all right, all right. But he bought a 2006 gray Yaris three-door hatchback in order to learn manual transmission. Great, love that. He loved how compact and spacious it was, but it was infuriated by the completely uncommunicative electric power steering. The Yaris has not been known for its incredible power steering up until possibly the GR Yaris, which may be the only fun one in existence prior to to that one. Yeah, exactly. Well, he said he had the car for three months. It taught him manual well, kicked it to the curb. He, He literally had it for three months and two fuel tanks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. He said, I filled it up once while I owned it. I learned to drive manual and I promptly sold this car. That is, that's almost a rental program, Aaron. I bought it. I went through the tank it came with. I learned how to drive manual. I filled it up with another tank and then I promptly sold the car. Well done. Okay. Interesting. I love it. Well, he gives us a list of current considerations and the reasons behind them. But he says, what about a manual IS 200? He's grown to love the car. He's got an IS200 already. He's going the nowhere. Auto. He has the four-speed auto, and he complains in a full paragraph length of how long the gearing is. He can get up beyond, <laughs> beyond freeway speeds in second with two gears waiting in the wings, which means this engine, which is interesting, is paired with a transmission that is terrible. So he's thinking, I could solve the problem with a manual IS200 six-speed. He also acknowledges it would mean he would have two of the same car, but he doesn't mind that. I I, I hear you. I'm going to disagree, Aaron, but I do hear you, yes. (laughs) He also offers up a Toyota 86. Mm -hmm. He says he feels feels like it would meet the criteria, but interestingly, 86 drivers have a bad reputation in Sydney. Hmm. Okay. Is that because of the hoonage, the hoonery? I don't know. Are they they sideways constantly through traffic? Maybe so. We we don't know. Mm -hmm. Aaron doesn't elaborate. But he says he drove one. The engine felt characterless. Didn't just feel that way. It is. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm right there with you. As a former owner that loved it, it is a <laughs> engine completely devoid of character. Yes. <laughs> but he says this is slightly out of his budget all with, you know, he, he says it's above the Paul limiter, which we will reveal his price category f- in just a little bit. He says a BMW E36 3 Series, ideally with an inline six. And he says this was the car Toyota benchmarked when creating the IS200. Okay. But he says, uh, I'm not sure if I really want to go there as far as, you know, maintenance. Does he want the four-cylinder auto? Does he want one with the manual six-cylinder? It comes down to what he can actually find for his budget, and it may not be the yeah. version that he wants, yeah. He also mentions an E82 BMW 1 Series Coupe, considering the 125 manual, with a 3-liter inline six. But he says the 135 is too powerful for his license. Isn't that interesting? See, this is what we're talking about. Certain mm. versions of the same car are not allowed. It's fascinating. Three more here. A Toyota Corolla Sportivo, which is essentially a Corolla fitted mm-hmm. with the 2ZZ GE engine, he that says. the Lotus engine. Yep. Yep. And a six-speed manual, he says. You should be very familiar with this engine. Yep. Absolutely. A Fiesta ST has always intrigued him. Australia only ever got the three-door version. Which, which is better. 
yeah, we agree. <laughs> Which is so better. much better. It just looks right yeah. that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, proportions are cleaned up. And lastly, he's considering importing an R32 Skyline from Japan, but he says uh, the way Australian import laws work, it could make it possible. But he says he's just not sure. He also found out about the Alfa Romeo Brera, which goes against everything he's considered because it's a four-cylinder front-wheel drive Italian car, but he's in love with how it looks. See, when you're driven by styling, mm-hmm. you consider things. That, yeah, it's kind of a dog. Don't buy it. It might be a money pit, but man, is it beautiful. And the Brera is fantastic it's looking. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. I remember seeing one overseas on a trip, <laughs> man, a long time ago. I, I, that's what I was. I was in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Mm-hmm. For Lord of the Rings, which is a weird sentence that I can actually well, say. Well, you traveled the world. I did. I did. Uh, and I, I, I had like life. half a day, and I just walked around the city with a camera and took pictures and went to museums and that kind of thing. And I stopped for probably too long <laughs> at a tiny little alpha dealer and got the weirdest really? looks because they had a Brera out front. I just took a bunch of photos of it. And I know they're thinking, this car's not news. <laughs> it's not Who new. is this guy? <laughs> Must take photos of the Brera. And I was like, I just, I've never seen one in person. Yeah, anyway, yeah, they're great it. looking. Yeah. Well, Aaron is open to anything. He does not yet have a minister of finance in his life, but the treasury, he says, isn't all that great. I love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. The treasury department is quite low. Yeah. Uh-huh. Taxes have not come in like we've hoped. So, uh-huh. Exactly. He's got a budget of Australian dollars, 10000 He can push it up to 15000 for the right car, and he's got the Paul limiter set at 20000 Australian dollars, which is about, as of this recording, 15000 U.S. dollars. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay? He would have to beg, borrow, and steal to achieve that budget. Nevertheless, he says manual is the main thing here. He'll never own an automatic unless it's a Rolls Royce. Okay. Are you going to own a Rolls Royce in your life? Do you I, aspire to own I, a Rolls okay. Royce? Okay. I guess that's the list. That's good to know. He says it is a second car. It doesn't have to be reliable, but please, no French hatchbacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you're considering an Alfa Romeo Brera. I mean, really, I mean, really, we have opened up the world just a little bit. Good to yeah, say. Uh-huh. So he gives us some websites to use: carsales.com.au, gumtree.com.au. And thank you for writing, Aaron. Mm-hmm. We've actually got a lot of listeners in Australia, around the continent there. We love hearing from mm-hmm. our Australian friends. And hello to all of you. Thanks for listening. And thanks for writing, Aaron. We really appreciate it. We've got some suggestions for you here. And I think you will like them because this is a second car. I was a bit stymied if this were to be your only car. Mm -hmm. But I want to review your situation, Aaron. You're Uh 18 and you're going to have two cars. That's amazing. I didn't think that way when I was 18. I just (laughs) thought, well, I have one toothbrush, one pair of shoes, Uh (laughs) my car. This is how life works. Pretty much. I've I've succeeded. I mean, you can own two pairs of sunglasses. Why would you do that? Yeah. Style? Really? You My could, parents each you drove. Do that? They each had a car. I had a car only because it was a hand-me-down of the old car my dad had. There was no, like, let's go shopping for fun. This was not happening. Yeah. I mean, I could have two pairs of shoes. My one pair of shoes doesn't weird. have to do everything. Weird, weird, yeah. That's amazing. So your situation is very fortunate. And just to be having the car knowledge that you do mm-hmm. and being able to shop that way. Now, your car knowledge is informing your shopping. Mm -hmm. But I want your future driving. I want you to be open to driving different things, even though it's it's easy to dismiss various cars. And that's what I love about what you and I do, Todd, and Mm -hmm. that is the surprise factor. When we get in a car and we think, it's going to be this way, and what is this? Mm -hmm. Watch our, it just released yesterday, in fact, watch our Chevy 
Blazer review on Test Drive channel. Now, Paul's 928 came out on the main channel. The Chevy Blazer review just came out on the Test Drive channel, and that was one of those that we got in and were kind of pleasantly surprised. We yeah. break down all the reasons pro and con there, but that, I mean, that's an example of what you're talking about. Since you're a Toyota snob, mm. I've got one other recommendation that isn't Toyota. I know. Hold mm-hmm. your horses. But since you are, and the 86 is right out because of slightly out of your budget and because of the perception in Sydney... Mm-hmm. What about an MR2 Spider? What about it? It works, but here's the problem. I looked him up. They're even approved for his license. That's why I suggested them. They're only coming up in the sequential manual gearbox, the auto, which is not good. <sighs> now, Aaron, if you can find one in the manual, yes. But the only way the actual official website even shows them is as sequential manual gearboxes. Toyota was and that so was, proud of that gearbox, they were, too. Yes, and no one, upon reflection, is proud of it. <laughs> Toyota yeah. doesn't even want us to mention it at this point. Yeah. I kid, but They're still. They're great. I'm, if you can, that is my top choice for you. Mm, okay. Because small, lightweight. You talk about Elise's. You mm-hmm. talk about lightweight, fun cars. And we get that you want a fun, lightweight, excellent mm-hmm. second car. And that's why we did that cheap sports car challenge. Totally. Put all of them yep. together. But there is one out of that eight-car film that I keep gravitating towards. It's okay. a Z3, and I did look them up. Okay. Even a 20-year-old car, the mm-hmm. 1.9, I think will work for your license. Really? Okay. I think. I, I haven't verified that quite yet. But if you can find a Z3 that does work for you, here's a question, Aaron. Can you buy a car and just have it until you get your unrestricted license? I'm asking. Fair point. I mean, it it will, you know, hold it in reserve. I see where you're going. Exactly. You're paying for a car. You can't drive it. (laughs) That's that's tough. But if due to finances, if they're going up in value, if you find the right car and it's in the budget and you get it now and you think, well, it'd be tough to find one of those. If I waited for two years, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's an out there kind of consideration. But could you get one of those, the Z3? And you said way back up in your email that you have a soft spot for BMWs. They're number two on your list. Mm -hmm. And Toyota has benchmarked BMWs, the E36 before. Yeah. So I'm asking, you've got this passion for BMWs, especially older ones. Z3, we love it. I fell back in love with this car. The reason it didn't go through to our Mm five-car film Mm -hmm. was because... I had a Boxster standing in the way, and you and I agreed that the Miata had to go through. And the, and let's be honest, my Z4 had to go through because our cars yeah. were going to move on. If the Z4, the if SLK we had taken Z4, our cars right? out of it, the exactly. Z3 would have gone up for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was a tough decision to say goodbye to that car and move on, but there were other cars just kind of standing in the way. But I would happily own a Z3. As a matter of fact, I've even considered just buying another one. Good, good news, by the way, Aaron. I'm actually on that Australian website right now. The three liters are out. I was going to say, but what however, about that 1.9? The 1.9, the, uh, hang on, the 1.9, the 2 liter, and the 2.8 are all allowed in manual. Fantastic. So you can't get the, the biggest engine, but we didn't have the biggest engine on our, on our review anyway. No, and it it's didn't not gonna matter. matter. It's not going to matter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, all right, so there you go. If you can find one, and I actually went looking on Gumtree, and I found multiple. Look at this. I was finding, let's see. Found, well, that's an automatic. Uh, that's an automatic too. No, you don't want an automatic. <laughs> okay, here's a five-speed. It's a 1.9. Okay. It is in Fanny Bay. And just listed silver, not bad, 200,000 kilometers. I like it, 1.9, five-speed. Within his budget. 
within your budget. I love Six it. That's grand great. Australian. That's phenomenal. That's Dude, excellent. Dude, these are okay. cheap. They're ready to go. I think you'd love it. And what I like most is it's not two of the same car and it's not two of the same manufacturer, mm-hmm. even though I'm the Porsche weirdo that. You would have a you full know. garage and an entire closet and watches all that <laughs> yes, are Porsche. Three fingers pointed yes. back at me. Uh-huh. I, for sure, yeah. But, uh, all right, yeah. that's my suggestion for you, Aaron. Interesting. Okay, well, Aaron, I've got a couple things to say. First off here, that is, because I was you, okay? <laughs> I, I get it. I totally get it. But then I, it wasn't until I got into my 30s that we started this show. And this mm-hmm. is why we're doing this whole Cards of the Past series. And I started driving lots of stuff instead of just having head knowledge about it right. that really transformed me as a car person. Now, in the middle between I'm car obsessed and then I started driving a series of marginal things <laughs> and kind of let all that side of me die for a while. 90 horsepower Camaros. There's that. And then and then driving, finally, again, starting to drive a lot of stuff. Obviously, I kind of let the, the love die a little bit because I thought I was moved on to the things. And clearly, it was not. So... <laughs> But you've got this great experience now where you can you can let all that knowledge exist, but now you can, I think, step beyond that into experience. And I'm excited for you in yeah. that. And then you tell me that you're a Toyota snob and you're considering buying another of the same car you have and I hear a massive record scratch in my head. <laughs> That's limiting yourself so much. Take this knowledge that you have and step out beyond things you know you already like. Step out beyond things you already believe are the best. And, and I'm point. not even saying that for this next car. I'm going to recommend some, some things out of the box for you. But I'm just saying over the next 10 years of your life, as you start to have more money, as your license is unrestricted, as you have opportunity to buy cars, buy stuff that you don't know if you're going to like, that you're just kind of intrigued by. The, the Alfa Brera is an interesting one. I don't think you should get that <laughs> Don't car. get a Brera, but that's but, a but, but that, lovely But I love yes. that there's a yeah. part of you that all of a sudden was like, what about that? And then, and then all of the knowledge that you have came in and stopped you. Mm. And there's a part of me that just says, don't do that. Don't do that. He's also demonstrated an ability to get rid of a car instantly mm-hmm. if he doesn't like it, even if it's Toyota. Exactly. Which is a good thing to have. So what I want you to do is, is I'm going to say a couple tough love, tough love things here. First off, that IS200 that you have that's an automatic, I think, goes at some point. Maybe not now, but I don't think that's a forever car. I don't think it's worth it. I understand why you like it, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's a forever car. I'm just going to put that little worm in your brain because I think (laughs) later it's going to come back around. You're going to be like, I could get rid of this. I understand it's not going now, but please do not get another one. Do not get another of the same car just because it's a different different gearbox. You were so limiting your experience. Mm. Mm. So you need to step out. You also need to step out beyond Toyota. You also need to step out beyond BMW. Fair. You need to see other car experience, okay? I do like the Z3 you've brought up, Paul. I also like, Aaron, that you are intrigued by the Fiesta ST. I think that is a phenomenal alt choice. Now, it's interesting because that's not a rear-wheel drive choice, but if you could get one, you could get one in your budget. I actually looked them up. Some of them actually do work. It's the opposite of your Lexus in every way I can possibly think of. And and it's not just a high-powered Yaris either. It's really, truly a driver's car. It's excellent. I think the Fiesta ST is awesome. Yeah. I did look up the MR2 Spider, and the catch for me was, I want you to have a full manual. So I landed on what I think is the answer. And you didn't even bring it up, Aaron. You mm-hmm. didn't even mention it. You didn't mention the brand. You didn't mention the car. And I just thought, in this case, I think this is your next car. Mm-hmm. I okay. found a ton of them. Okay. It is. You've heard it. You're expecting it. It's the answer. The Mazda Miata is for you, Aaron. You think so? You have a Lexus. Okay. Okay. But here's the thing. The ND Miata, the current gen, doesn't work for his license, but the right. other three do. 
N-A, N-B, and N-C. Autos and manuals are all approved for his license. There's probably gobs of them for sale, right? Less than 15,000 Australian pick your car. Okay. They're just out there. You want something that's going to be good to drive, manual transmission, and fairly reliable. All of those boxes are checked. It's not a brand you've even mentioned that you're aware of. That's true. That's true. And I'm sitting here going, I'm sorry. Now, you may be overlooking it as, no, nobody drives me out. I I don't want the perception of that. Step beyond that. I'm telling you, I'm trying to push you here, man. Get something because the... I am too big for the Miata. I am too large a person. And you haven't told us, Aaron, how big you are. I'm too large a person for the Miata and always, always holds me back. But they're phenomenal. They are car done right. They are driver's car done right with no extras. And since you are starting your driving and they do work for your license, I love all the new experience it provides. There's so little downside for you having a Miata for a year. Just get one. Just see what That's you think. It's not a bad idea. That's it just steps you out beyond all of the things because you've listed so much information about BMWs and Toyotas and the rest of the world's just this void. And I'm not saying you don't know about the rest of the world. I'm just sure, saying sure. you haven't even like broached into other things. And it depends on what cars, what models totally. are available in Australia. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, come yeah. on. A Miata, just get one. It, it, I thought you were going to suggest French hatchbacks. I, I'm not, actually. I like, could have. Yeah, you need done to that. get well-rounded. I'm exactly. going to suggest for, for you. Time French hatchbacks. Something wildly <laughs> unreliable that you can't get anywhere. Let's do that. No, but, but I, I think just a year of that car will educate you a lot as a driver. It will open your eyes to things you hadn't already considered. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed you didn't already think about it. So I, that's my real push for you is get yourself a Miata, have it for a bit, and see what you want to do next because I think you might surprise yourself. That's really great. Aaron, you know, I'm thinking about Todd's comments about your future driving career. And I say this to myself more than I say it to you. And that is about Porsche and my Porsche snobbery. Of course, I love them. But having access to various cars, you know, because we're doing the show mm-hmm. makes me think, well, what about a Corvette? I, I'm in love with the C8. Mm. And here they've come out with a Z06 monster. Mm. Now it is a monster. Do I need that much power? Do I want that much power on track? Do I want something smaller, lighter? But I'm floored by this car. I'm mm-hmm. in love with it's the recipe. Cool. And I'm sure it will drive pretty great. Having driven three of them so far, yep. I think we'll like it a lot. Yeah. And so I think, you know, should I myself, should I just be open? Even though I love Porsches and I feel like, what would life without a Cayman be like? I don't know what life would be like. <laughs> You've had one for so long. Yeah. I can't imagine my life without a Cayman. (laughs) That is a crazy (laughs) sentence. Okay, go on. But truly there is. And I love that, you know, us getting into things and me allowing myself to like a car to the point where I think I could own this car Mm -hmm. is really hard for me. And I I sense it's going to be really hard for you to allow yourself to drive something else. Let's say it is a French hatchback. Sure. Let's say it's a something. (laughs) Well, it's going to be Renault or... The Alfa Brera. He's got to go get one of those. But still. He's he's going to listen to us and be like, I am going to buy the car that I really shouldn't buy. Here we go. Here's the photo of my new Brera. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. But I, I, I sense that your struggle is as much as mine is mm, to mm. with all the head knowledge I have of Porsche, my love for the Lama history mm-hmm. and the engineering and the build quality and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Mm-hmm. There's other, I love the Supra. I love the Corvette. Mm-hmm. There's Mustangs. Out. I'm enthralled by that GT 350. That is old news at this point. Yeah. But, fair point. Yeah. Huh. You know, it's yeah, just hard yeah, yeah. for me to allow myself to imagine that, but 
you know, our driving careers are continually evolving. Completely, yeah. And it's yeah, nice yeah. to drive a bunch of stuff and have a bunch of experiences that shape our tastes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm trying, I'm working on myself to be more open to that. I'm not saying I'm abandoning Porsche by no means. No, that won't happen. There's way too <laughs> but, much watches and clothing and, and stuff exactly, going on. Exactly, yeah, there's not cologne yeah. to wear. So <laughs> it's branded everything. I'm just saying, as your driving experiences evolve, seek out those experiences mm-hmm. and just try to allow yourself to imagine what it would be like. What if, <laughs> what if I did that? Because of the thing that we identified, and that was your ease, your apparent ease of getting rid of a car. Yes. I don't like that. It served my this needs. This isn't working. Out of my life. Gone. I, that, d- I don't have any emotional that's attachment. Excellent. That's excellent. And it was a Toyota, yet he has this emotional attachment with the IS200. Mm-hmm. It's going nowhere, guys. Yeah. That's hard. It's difficult. So we Navigating encourage you, hard, yeah. send us whatever you get. Keep us up to date. We for love sure. your email. Thank you for writing. If you've got an email like Aaron's, write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. You can find us on the website as well under the About tab, top right corner on the mm-hmm. contact button there. And also send us your Topic Tuesdays and your car conclusions too. Let's talk about Haggerty My Garage. It's a virtual home for automotive enthusiasts where you can show off your cars and tell their stories. Inside the community, you can check out thousands of cool cars and like, comment, follow, and share your favorites. Plus, you can park everything you need in one place. Use My Garage to manage your important details and photos and records and more. There's never been a better way to virtually enjoy your ride. So customize your own garage, explore others' garages. You can even see our garage and join in on the conversation at haggerty.com slash mygarage. Greg writes to us. He's awfully excited that he happens to have a BRZ. But the problem is that his wife has had a Ford Flex that she has loved. Mm-hmm. And it was recently stolen Yay. from their mechanic. Bummer. Not stolen from the curb, not stolen from random parking lot. was at their mechanics and was stolen overnight. And they have no expectation that it's coming back. It is gone. The family wow. seven-seater that was much beloved is gone. They have two teenage kids, two large dogs, they live in uh, Canada, so they have to actually worry about actual things like winter. But they expect, with insurance payout and with the fact that they owe about ten grand right now, they should have maybe thirty grand to work with Canadian. But we're shopping for a new seven seater. And what the, what's funny about this is, I just I sense Greg at war with himself. Oh, there's just a massive yawn during this entire email. Oh. Like, do I really have to get another one of these? <laughs> but his wife needs it. The family needs it. He's clinging to the fact he has a BRZ while we shop for seven seaters that Greg probably won't like. Greg, I'm totally poking fun at you. I think you know that, but it sucks to have anything stolen. We have mm-hmm. gone through mm-hmm. back in 2017. Mm-hmm. We had all of our camera gear and data stolen. Yes. It almost wasn't about the gear. It was the data that yeah. just set was, us back really in a big hard. way. Chance lost most of his photography, his, mm-hmm. all of his good stuff. He had everything from American Original gone. It all still comes up. You yeah. had a piece of clothing you, the other I'd, day or something. It's <laughs> like, where the, is that? The weather turned cold this year. At the end of the summer, the weather turned cold, and we're looking for a shirt. And I, I'm serious. I stood in the closet like, what, what should have the, the... And then it dawned on me, like, back of my mind, like, that faint thing, like, <laughs> yeah, that was in that bag. Oh, Years man. ago, that was in that bag. And yeah. it still haunts us. So... Yeah, we understand. That is horrible. We're very sorry to hear that. I say yay because this is an opportunity to move on to something, even mm-hmm. though you love the flex and the the things that it did for your family, your yep. large family yep, yep, and the dogs. Sure. But there are some other things to consider. Your budget is 32000 Canadian at the top end. For that was Paul the Paul Lander. budget, yes. <laughs> Everything under that is sort of, is you know, irrelevant. Sure, what, what, what are we talking about? Yeah. 
But they're considering another flex okay. with the EcoBoost motor this time. That would be better, yes. Run away. Volkswagen Atlas, his wife loves the looks. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> You're being kind. Keep going. A Honda Pilot. He has parentheses. Boring. But I, but I get that sense about everything you yeah. think up on their list. He's just like, I don't really want any of these, but we need one. He says, <laughs> uh, he says so I'm clinging to my BRZ. He said they would love to have a Telluride, but they're out of their budget. Mm-hmm. So it's a big question about what are they not thinking of for a new family car to replace this Ford Flex. And Greg, it's easy for us to poke fun at the Ford Flex, and I have to do it anyway by default because my minister of finance and fantastic wife hates them <laughs> so that's, that's much. That's mainly why I... So, so I have to just, I never really had much of a problem with them, but she has such a visceral response to even seeing one. It's like seeing something gross on TV and you have that reaction like, it's just a car. What? I have watched this woman accelerate to get around one so she didn't have to look at it in front of her. You're kidding I me. am not kidding. So I... she, has, she, has a, she has a low thing that she refers, re, just reserves for very few things. I don't really care either way, but okay. The one thing I will say about the Flex that is impressive is they had a ton of space in them. They really use that space to all the corners. And that boxy shape, which is one of the things that is controversial about it, that boxy shape just meant shipping container. Tons of space, yeah, tons of seats, yeah. very usable. And yes, with the EcoBoost motor, it's surprisingly quick. If you guys do get another one, it falls in that category we talk about, about having a car taken before you're ready. Right, right. I, if you went and got a Flex with an EcoBoost, I would say you probably wound up with a better version than you had because the EcoBoost does wake that thing up. It's still a flex. I'd like for you to get something else, but I could totally understand that and back that. I did think of other things, plus I want to walk through a couple of other of your ideas too. Greg, we're going to need that $32,000. We're going to need all <laughs> Of course of it. you are, yeah. I started at Mazda CX-9s used. Mm-hmm. I think you'd enjoy those. Not nearly as much space as the flex, and I know that's going to be the benchmark. You say, well, it's, it doesn't have nearly as much space up here in the top corners That's where why boxed. I brought up the flex, because the flex yeah. has got so much space. Almost anything else, especially the stuff that is better to drive, isn't going to have quite as much space. Can you get by with that, though? Well, that's just it. This is your opportunity to maybe change your requirements, because mm-hmm. nothing, you're right, Greg, nothing will compare to that flex. You're going to compare everything to the flex and say, mm-hmm. it's just not as good. And I think your wife might, too. But... Could this be the chance to recalibrate your expectations about what you're looking for out of the family vehicle? Because if you shop RAV4s and Highlanders, Highlanders are probably out of your budget, admittedly, but RAV4s might not be. I'm Mm. talking brand new as well. Sure. Two kids, two parents, two dogs. That fills that RAV4 big time. But it is a step down in size, and that's interesting, though. There's a lot of RAV4s out there. We have never liked the RAV4 until this generation. Mm -hmm. Ever. Never even considered it and got it and thought, okay, I this is nice. I, I like driving this. Mm-hmm. There's there's some fun here. We like the Prime version, the hybrid Prime. So that the all it's technology. $44, yeah. yeah, it's not going to work. But let's back that off. You said you wanted a Telluride. Good news. Kia built a non-Telluride. It's, it's like a mini Telluride. It's the Sorento. The three-quarter Telluride. Yeah, I see it that. It is. Yeah. It is brilliant. It's very good. If you're shopping for a Telluride, you cannot ignore the new Sorento. It's been completely redesigned. Mm -hmm. The interior materials are excellent. It's got plenty of space. It actually is a seven-seater, too. And we've been asking ourselves the question, well, Telluride seven-seater, actually maybe six, but still, it's probably Depends on how you spec them. They're all either six or seven if you get the captions. And here's another SUV made by the same company that is competing for less dollars, costs less, 
and is also a seven seater. Mm-hmm. Why would they do that for your particular situation? <laughs> Less well, dollars. Mm-hmm. You still want a great car. It comes in three different engine configurations. We like the very top end, the most powerful, of course. The, no one has the X line package. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do a little bit of light off-roading, a little sand or something stuck in your tires. But nevertheless, we liked all of them, even the hybrid version of it. The interior materials and design, so on point, and it's like Kia and Hyundai. Think of the things you're going to want out of your car. They're not imagining scenarios that they just, this is how it should work. Mm-hmm. That just works well. Mm. I like this. This fits my life. Kia Sorrentos, my friend. Go look for the brand new Sorrento. It's definitely a step down in size. It's definitely a step down from the Telluride in size. Not a huge step down, but it's a step below. The Sorrento, by the way, is their global car. And the Telluride is a North America car. Mm-hmm. So you guys get it. And, and I, look, if I had Sorrento versus Telluride to choose from, I would go Telluride too. But it's out of your budget and you're having trouble finding them. That makes the Sorrento viable. I see where you went, Paul. That's good. I mean, I'm starting at the LX, the base one here. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it starting at $29,000. Okay. But are there even slightly used? I mean, they've been out long enough where you even see the six month, you know, somebody's had it a year already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a possibility. But the style is the biggest part. Not only do they drive well for what it is, mm-hmm. but the style. It's not a fridge tipped on its side. True. It's not the refrigerator box. What's <laughs> your wheels on the box? It works out great. <laughs> Guess what it has? Lots of space. Lots of space. I'll, you know what? I'm going I'm to do, do chrome strakes in the side. It's going to look much better. Oh, man. I'm telling you. We're telling flex jokes. It's all bad. <laughs> By the way, Greg's poor wife has turned off the podcast she now has and stormed away. out. Yes. It's all bad, yeah. Yes, she's hands on her hips or something. Nevertheless, the Sorento, I think, is your car because of updated tech. You can choose the engines that fit your budget, but we never thought any of them were severely underpowered enough to make mm. it us not recommend the Sorento. And I love the styling. I love that it is so useful, and it is still kind of boxy. It's mm-hmm. like... Mini box, mini fridge. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mini fridge. That's good. Dorm room fridge. <laughs> Greg, I have a few for you. I want to go through a couple of the ones you've thought up, and then I want to list a bunch of others, and then I want to go kind of even crazier on the back end here. I'm shopping mainly slightly used for you because I think that opens up your budget a lot. It looks like if you're getting a flex, you're obviously getting a used one anyway. So let's yeah. just talk about used yeah. stuff. And, I, and I'm going to reference again. We both talked about it. The flex, the best thing about that thing was space. Mm-hmm. So just about everything I'm going to bring up is going to have, with a few exceptions, going to have less space than the Flex. But here's the part I'm trying to help you out on, Greg. I want you to get in something when you drive it, you think, this drives pretty well. Mm. Because I just sense from you this this <laughs> this need to get a seven-seater yeah. and this disdain for that need. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to bridge the gap. And, and, and the compromise that's required there is to have it be a little bit smaller, a little bit less cavernous space, but a little bit better to drive. Used options include, you already mentioned it, Paul, the Mazda CX-9, one of the mm-hmm. best driving seven-seaters out there. Absolutely. But the trade-off is, watch our no minivans piece, which had both the Telluride and the Pilot. The trade-off with the CX-9 is it's slightly smaller in this category than some of the other seven-seaters, but it is by far better to drive. Similar to that, the Acura MDX. Get a used one of those. Last gen of that we liked a lot. I like that. That's a great the one. The Acura actually. MDX is is quite impressive to drive. It yeah. works really well. Now, what's interesting is it shares tech platform, this kind of thing, with the pilot, which we aren't huge fans of. And you even listed as boring. But with the Super Hamming all-wheel drive, Acura MDX can be pretty good to drive. You mentioned the Volkswagen Atlas, and I'm going to tell you that is a perfectly fine choice. Run away. They are fine. 
right away. They're just there's nothing overly compelling about it mm-hmm. other than the fact that Volkswagen built a large seven seater. They built a large Golf MQB, it, it, baby. It drives like the world's largest <laughs> Golf. It just does. It dri- drives like everything else Same. in their lineup now, just enlarged. Same so that platform. could work. That's the extra large size or whatever. If you're shopping used things that could drive pretty well and a little bit smaller, but is a nice place to be, how about your? How about a Volvo XC90? That is definitely smaller than your Flex. It's about the size of the Sorento that Paul brought up. But killer seats, great tech, wonderful to be in, really, really superb, the Volvo XC90. And then I also thought of this one that you and I liked, mm. the Durango RT. Get one of those and use. That's got the... Are those in his budget? You, he's shopping used. Get a used one of those. Fairly, fairly used. I yeah, mean, we drove a, a pretty new one. We get a, like get a used V8 one. We're not talking about the big monster boys. This is almost the dead center of their lineup. It has... Eye to the Valkyries with that, you know, Yeah, I'm telling the you. The Hellcat Durango. But, but, even, but even the one that we drove, watch our test drive on it. Even the one that we drove, which was their quote-unquote lesser V8, was still quite powerful. It was over 300 horsepower. Genuinely fun to drive in that platform. Now, the platform is quite old, but they keep updating the tech. And it is a surprisingly good to drive SUV. So those are the SUV mm. ideas. If you really are shopping space, mm. if every one of those dies for space. Well, of course, to, the I, flex wins. I have to bring this up. You should shop the new, newest, latest, greatest, or current GMC Acadia or Chevy Traverse. I don't think either of them are standouts in dynamics. Everything I've listed prior has better dynamics better than those drive, two. for sure. But if you are shopping space and you're looking for what is an alt, a current alt to the Flex for space, it is the Acadia or the Traverse. They are cavernous inside, and they've done good things with the way the seats fold. There's a lot of usability there without buying a minivan. It really is, I think, space-wise, those are the best minivan alternatives being sold right now, which is the thing that the Flex did so well. True. True. Last two things. You could go complete alternative Embrace your truck desires and go body on frame and shop used Tahoe or Yukon or use something like an Expedition. You could go really big. Expedition's big, yeah. Well, we're, but we're, ta- we're talking used. Yeah. You could go that. Yeah. But I think you're going to be somewhere in the, the same SUV market, the, the unibody thing like the Flex was. Lots of good options here. Find something, Greg, that you don't mind driving. That's, <laughs> That's what a, I want for you. Hopefully a low bar. But but let's I mean because you you don't I don't get the impression I don't hate this I don't get the impression that you liked the flex I think you saw yeah, the utility yeah. of it and your wife really liked it so what is she like that you think is decent to drive All right well Greg happy non flex buying then uh, you know let us know keep us posted with your car conclusion jumping into questions revs up commented that a friend told him that his ninety one Miata was a good seven tenths car a he seven argued tenths car. Yeah, he Are argued. Miata? Well, he argued that it was a great eleven tenths car, as he could attest, as revs up could attest to saving it on multiple times when autocrossing the car, and he went mm-hmm. too far. So, what are the most forgiving cars you've owned or driven, or maybe some of the least forgiving? Well, <laughs> least forgiving can be nine elevens at their limit. Mm. Least forgiving, I'll say, is your lease. It's great up until the point where it's not, and it's it's dramatic. It's not a progressive let go kind of car. <laughs> if the steering starts getting light, you need to back off in that car because the next thing after steering gets light is oh look, I'm spinning. That's, I mean, that's the next step. It's brilliant, and the limits are very high. Very high. But yeah. then right up until that point, it's just a light switch. You're spinning, and it's got such a short wheelbase that catching it is very hard. And that's what's mm-hmm. interesting about the yeah. Miata. Actually, I I agree. Revs up. I think it is an eleven tenths car. The Miata is a car that you can take and you can push 
to the edges of yourself and the car. Yeah. And it's not, you're not at a disastrous speed. And surprisingly, this is the thing. We had an Indie Miata here recently. It's one of the things that fascinated me about that car is the fact that really short wheelbase typically means that once you lose either end, it's harder to get back. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. Miata is just like, sure, I'll come back. Sure, yeah. I will. Yep. The back steps out, and you're just like, and? It just will. It's amazing. So that is a very forgiving car, and uh, the 86 is a very forgiving car. 86, the new GR86 is very forgiving, yeah. and Caymans are very forgiving, which I love. Surprising. In They're fact, for a mid-engine, great. I would say they are the most forgiving mid-engine yes. car being made. Here's one that isn't, revs up, and that is the Alfa Romeo 4C. That Above is Above seven-tenths, I don't want to be driving that car. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Of course, we talk about the fix, but that's not what most people are going to do. And at seven tenths, delightful. When we took, we've talked about it before on one of our last pilgrimage trips. We had one for the road tour day and then Mm -hmm. on track. And everybody that drove it on road tour, because you're rotating through cars, everybody that drove it on road tour day was in love with that car. Yes. And then the person that had rented it as part of pilgrimage for tracking did I think two or three laps and said he was done for the day. Done. Like didn't want to drive And then you did a couple laps and said, I'm done for the day. And I was determined to conquer this beast. And I went out for a while. I I feel like I learned that it is unpredictable at the limit because I I did a lot of laps in that car at Spa. I felt like it was unpredictable sooner than the limit. No, I uh, fair. Far sooner. Fair. No, I think it was unpredictable driven uh, driven on track, driven yeah. hard on track. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like because it. Because I could go into the same corner on Spa the same way two different times, and the car would not necessarily respond the same. It it, it turned into like my afternoon science project, because I was like, <laughs> what on earth is going on? Because the Lotus yes. can be unforgiving, but the Lotus you can set your watch by. Yeah, Everything yeah. it's doing is a direct response to you doing something, and you can tell, oh, I did this, and the car did I see. And the yes. Alpha 4C would be like, yeah, this time I've just got to surprise you. Well, then Cayman's up a rouge. You're exiting faster than 911 GT3s. Well, most of them because of how they're driven, but still. <laughs> you're exiting. You're going, you're in a 911 GT3. You should be blowing my doors off. Why am I passing you with mm. faster exit speed? Because of that predictable nature, because of that balance yeah. of the car. Yeah, the Alpha 4C is an interesting one because I think it is. Yes. I, I, honestly, I think it is a brilliant road car. Up it to is seven a bad tenths. car. Driven at its limits. Like yeah. 7.1. <laughs> no I liked it more than you, and I, I pushed Kicked it more than you, curb. but, I, but I, I see that. It's a good answer. I like that. No. Chris Cole on Facebook says, talking about the new GR86, he would like a target top. He would like it as soon as possible. He said the, the Miata <laughs> is great with a fixed roof. He thinks that the 86 is nice for backseat and power, but wouldn't it be cool if there was a target? Chris, I agree with you. I actually think... Convertible is something that's been debated, but I think the Targa is the fastest way to go on that car mm. because then mm. you don't have to worry about the mechanics and getting rid of the back seat. But I also think about the fact that the Corvette does so well with the Targa. Yeah. The technology's yeah. there. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do to take the Targa roof and have it something you can store in the car? Okay, that's something you have sure. to work on. Maybe there's sure. a, I'm just thinking out loud here. Maybe you fold the back seat down and you hang it on the back seat. I'm the just Targa roof loud. becomes the wing. Who knows? Or there, something. There you Hey, look at that. Hey. The Targa wing. The new yeah. Targa wing. I like that. But no, I think the 86, the only thing it's missing in its light up would be an open top of some kind. And I think a Targa would be a great solve. Be very curious if they do it. I kind of doubt they will. And I also think that a convertible is more universal to more buyers. But I think the Targa is the answer because I think it would be an easier thing for them to do. I hope they do. We'll see. We're at the very beginning of the second Gen 86. Everything they intend to do going forward, we've learned this from Toyota of late. and They're, they're really showcasing it with the Super, but is their thing now. They keep having the new thing that came out on this year's model. Mm-hmm. Somebody somewhere 
had a whiteboard that became a spreadsheet that became a computer program, okay, <laughs> where they have every year they know the thing they're adding. <laughs> Okay, They've, they're doing this They've meticulously on the Supra, which is why the manual yeah. is not here yet, and I fully believe is coming. I suspect there's a similar plan for the GR86. TLA PR commented about the Santa Cruz. We posted some Santa Cruz photos. But the question here is, do we believe a car is good until it gets to a certain point? Mm. A Corvette is always as fun as long as it doesn't cost as much as a 911. Well, if it's only cost-related, well, then theoretically all the McLarens and Ferraris and Lamborghinis should be the best ever. But now Mm -hmm. here's this Z06 Corvette, the C8 Z06 that has potential to be as good or better than any exotic. Theoretically. So I suppose the certain point is, well, what is the car company's ethos? What, you know, what are they putting into it? And if they're bringing you a bargain like the Corvette, it's, almost unassailable the corvette bargain thing it's almost you can't it's always been the thing i've been able to trade on yeah because i can yeah. mention porsche and those are right out they're too expensive across the board every model is just too expensive it just is so you know it i think it just depends on are you willing to justify the price for the badge see i don't yeah i don't think price is the grand decider going either direction up or down I don't if, think, if you want the BMW, you're willing to pay is what I'm saying. Yes, agreed. You'll just get it because I want the BMW. I like that. I think what happens perception. is once you as a buyer, back to the, the person that asked the question, once you as a buyer reaches a place where your budget has now reached other cars you're interested in, I think that's a personal question. Yes, for sure. You have sure. 35 and you can't get the car you want, but if I'm going to trick that out and now it's 45 and I could get the car I wanted at 45, then yeah, get the other one. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that the $45,000 version of a lesser, quote-unquote lesser car is a worse car necessarily. Because because that would, that would mean, back to your point, it would mean all the most expensive cars are all the best, and they're right. not all the best. They're not. So you have to figure out, is, is there a, pl- a place where you need to jump, okay? And, and I'll, I'll say this. I'll, I'll go, we were talking about it just a minute ago. I'll go to the Kia Telluride, which is an excellent seven-seat family CUV, mm-hmm. okay? I think if you are specking out a smaller version, a smaller, lesser SUV of some kind, and it reaches Telluride levels of price, you should probably jump to the Telluride. But maybe sure. it wasn't on your radar. Sure. So there is that thing. If you if you have your if you have blinders on to a model, you need to watch where that price point as it balloons with options starts to hit other models. And now you're like, I didn't know I could get one of those. That's one of the things you and I do every time on this podcast. <laughs> it, like, by the way, us. for your price, you could get one of these. That's right. interesting. Right. But I don't think that price going up necessarily makes a car a worse version. And I also don't think that the more expensive car is always better. Yeah, for sure. Turbo Tofu has a color question. Do you see this? Is Nardo gray just a trend or is it here to stay? He says through gritted teeth. He clearly doesn't <laughs> like it. He said, I do not like it. It only works on certain cars. It's essentially primer with clear coat. You are my friend. You are my new best friend, it's been Turbo around Tofu. for like 20 years, though. I just, I do not understand the clear coated primer look. I don't get it. I don't care if you call it Nardo gray or putty or whatever you want to call it. It is gray. It is someone's desperate attempt to make gray sexy. Gray is boring. No more monochromatic cars. Look, I will Uh. pile on by saying Porsche perperpetuated the problem by offering chalk. Chalk, which my wife loves. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's it's essentially just matte white. No to chalk. It Mm. does nothing for the car. There's body in white, and you can actually see the details, Mm -hmm. but then there's the dull chalk. Matte white. And... Everything disappears. You can't see the car. 
I just let's how you know what more color. But the problem is that no, I don't think that these monochromatic colors are going away. I do think that the matte colors from the factory have a shelf life. I think there's a ticking yeah, clock over all yeah. of those, and all the manufacturers are going to move on from offering matte colors and go other directions. It just hasn't happened yet. Speaking of color, Ryan Reyes says, what is the best way to maintain black paint on a car in addition to ceramic coating or getting something from Covercraft, the usual? Yes, make griots part of your usual as well. Mm-hmm. If you have swirl marks, griots can take care of you. The G9 Orbital is excellent. But <laughs> it, never is, it t- is really good. It's really good. But never take it through a car wash. N- never. The brushes. The brushes. Yeah. The uh-huh. spray one is fine. Fine. <laughs> he says really unsure fine. of it. Fine. Yeah. Sort of in a pinch. But wash it yourself. Really? Yes. You could get PPF. You can get a, you know, definitely get the, the car cover. But take the scratches out first, prepare the paint properly, and then never, ever let anybody touch your paint. But do drive it. I'm not mm-hmm. saying don't drive your car yeah. and, you know, you can't. Just saying plan your Saturdays. Car, plan just, your Saturdays for cleaning or Sundays, whichever no, way is your day. swirly, brushy, none of those. <laughs> no. Fat Ferret brings up a question. I'm not sure I have the definitive answer to, but I do think he's right with the question. Why does it seem like more people are excited about the GR86 than the BRZ? Mm. I think I, I think there's a branding thing going on here. This is my guess. There's a couple things okay. happening. If okay. you've seen pictures of the noses of both, I actually think that the nose of the 86 is better than the nose of the BRZ. I think that's part of it. Okay, and it, but they're close enough. You almost have to see them side by side. You didn't used to last gen. You could tell at, a, at like a glance. Now the noses are really close. But there's some subtle details in the '86 that I think are a little more appealing. But I also think it's brand positioning. Mm. Subaru has been on a meteoric rise for the last decade. Every year their sales do better than the year prior. They are very successful as a, as a company for a small-ish company in the world of cars. They're doing very very well in this country, and what they sell is not what the BRZ is. They sell all-wheel drive, safe family movers. Safety, always be the handsome BRZ, and be safe. The BRZ is the grand outlier, and it's not a grand outlier in a direction that the brand is trying to go. Subaru was not trying to become a performance brand. They're not. True. Yeah. The BRZ exists on the Subaru lineup because they have a partnership with Toyota. Mm-hmm. That is why it exists. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it is the weird car. They're just on using their lineup. them to defray costs. Toyota to amortize costs. To- Toyota is for the last five to ten years. They're in a concerted effort to rebrand themselves as an enthusiast driving company, mm-hmm. which they left in the '90s, and for the whole 2000s they were boring gray and silver Priuses and Camrys. Yeah, and that's what they became known for: safe, reliable, new tech with the hybrid. That's what Toyota leaned into, and it became, from an enthusiast perspective, a snooze of a brand with a historic background as a motorsports company. And in the last five to ten years, they have gone, no, 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 no. Toyota is fun to drive. And the 86 plays directly into that, as does the Supra. So they are leaning in. Look at their marketing for these cars. They are leaning into, we, we are Toyota and we are fun. So where the brand is going fits the 86 in Toyota. Where the brand is going in BRZ doesn't match. That's excellent. Guys, thank you for all your questions. Really appreciate it. You know where to email us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com for all of your comments. We love, drop us a line. We love your comments. Great stuff. And uh, definitely send in your Topic Tuesdays car debates and your car conclusions. We're absolutely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.